I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good evening and welcome to the History of Germany podcast. I'm Travis Dow and today I want to track the origins of Germans in a few different ways. First is to figure out where the people that now live in Germany come from. Also, who was there before or who were the earliest people living in the area that is now Germany. And then another way is to look at language to see what languages are related and what that means, like how German and Germanic languages fit into the broader context of of Europe and beyond. And those methods still just give kind of a vague picture of Germanic origins or or the peoples living in, in Central Europe. And if if you look at maps that have DNA markers throughout the populations of Europe, you see a blending of types across Europe. Plus, then you add more recent migration events, and the picture becomes even more blurry. The DNA maps aren't even consistent across Germany. Germany as a whole, along with other Germanic-speaking areas of Central Europe, I feel like I'm going to be saying that a lot, um, is in the middle of migration paths that have been crisscrossed for millennia. So this episode, let's take a look at languages and at least figure out where that part comes from. And in case you haven't been over this before, Germanic languages includes all sorts of languages besides German. Some 600 million people in the world speak Germanic languages. But let me back up. Let me start at the beginning. Let me start at Proto-Germanic, which is itself, it's still Indo-European. It's an Indo-European language. In roughly the middle of the first millennium BC, in basically Iron Age Northern Europe is where we have the beginnings of Proto-Germanic. We're mainly looking at a region of coastal Norway, southern Sweden, Denmark, and from there it kind of migrated south or sort of southeast into what is today western Poland, and from there went basically all over the place in the Great Migration, uh, including, you know, almost all of Europe. So it died out in many places, especially the East Germanic branch, like Gothic, uh, Vandalic, Burgundian, but we'll get back to their history later. The most widely spoken Germanic languages are English and German, with approximately 400 to 500 million native English speakers, over 100 million native German speakers. Now those two languages are an example of the West Germanic family. The West Germanic group also includes other languages like Dutch, and there's about 23 million speakers of Dutch, uh, Low Saxon, which I'm not sure if that's really its own language or just a dialect of German, but there's about 5 million speakers in Germany and another 1.7 million in the Netherlands, Uh, Afrikaans with over 7.2 million native speakers, so there's even Germanic languages uh, besides English in, in Africa, which is Afrikaans is very much like Dutch. And then the North Germanic languages include Norwegian, Danish, Swedish, Icelandic, Faroese, which have a combined of about 20 million speakers. One estimate I came across is that 48 Germanic languages exist. 
uh, that seems a little bit arbitrary to me. It seems like an awfully specific number because it, it's it's kind of hard to to judge where a dialect stops and a language begins. Uh, so there's linguists out there that you know would have obviously given this, this some thought, and that that number doesn't come out of nowhere. But you know it's often a fairly smooth gradient of dialects from you know, all the way from Scandinavia through Germany and to places like Austria, Switzerland, Netherlands. So, and then, you know, some of those places have several dialects in basically every town and village. Now, English is kind of an outlier, and there are plenty of other podcasts dealing with the, Hing the history of English. So I won't bother getting into English as a Germanic language here at all. Uh, if you're interested, you know, I'd instead point you to the History of English podcast. It's an excellent excellent show, or also The History of Britain, uh, also a fantastic show, and there's, there's many others. So there's, I don't really feel the need to rehash um, English as a Germanic language. There's other great resources out there, and there's still so much to cover without English. And, and another arguable point is that, you know, many people have pointed out that a common language did not necessarily mean common heritage. This is a big caveat that they want to explicitly state. Language spreads other ways than just genetics. So conquering tribes or even just kind of cultural influence can spread or change a language as much or even more as migrations of whole peoples. So a language can spread without whole populations resettling somewhere. So the beginnings of an identity of a people is more complicated than just language. So understanding that we're talking about language more than a common heritage, let's take a closer look. These probably took place during the pre-Roman Iron Age of Northern Europe, like I said. So we're talking about the, you know, 500 BC, roughly. Um, Proto-Germanic itself was, you know, and again, Proto-Germanic is kind of a theoretical language, but um, let's say that it existed. And so 500 BC, you have Proto-Germanic itself being spoken. And then we have Proto-Norse, which is, you know, all the all the North Germanic languages from around the 2nd century AD and later. So Proto-Norse is still pretty close to reconstructed Proto-Germanic. So it's definitely a big part of the picture of the language and even the peoples. Uh, so I will be, you know, talking about Scandinavia or, you know, places or peoples in Scandinavia here or there as it ties into Germany because, again, there's a, you know, kind of a common heritage. So if, if we accept that Proto-Germanic itself came from, you know, wasn't even from Germany, but actually more Denmark and North. Another thing to look up there, if you're interested, is the Nordic Bronze Age. So this is the area we're talking, or this is the time period we're talking about. Now, a common way to divvy up Germanic languages is west, east, and north. So we, I kind of broke those down a little bit, but their exact relation is difficult to determine from, you know, the sparse evidence. It's basically just kind of a, a few runic inscriptions here and there. But we have the western group, which is includes, you know, German and English and, and Dutch. Um, we have those formed in the late Jastorf culture. The Jastorf culture was an Iron Age material culture in what is now northern Germany. So we have Western Germanic languages coming from what's already Germany now. And we have it spanning from the 6th to 1st centuries BC, forming the southern part of the pre-Roman Iron Age. The culture evolved out of the Nordic Bronze Age that I said. So we have a migration and then, um, you know, we have iron artifacts now. And then there's another culture that I'll talk about, and that is the Hallstatt culture further south. When we start getting into Celts and uh, pre-Celtic 
tribes that lived in Germany, if we're looking at, at areas of southern Germany like Bavaria or Baden-Württemberg, then we're talking more about the Hallstatt culture at this point rather than the Jastorf culture of, that already spoke a Germanic language. Um, but there was some, there appears to have been some trade and influence and uh, some back and forth between Hallstatt and Jastorf. So that's, that's why they're kind of, imp it's important to bring them all up as a whole. Now the Eastern group may be derived from the first century variety of Gotland, which means southern Sweden is kind of the, the original location for that group. And we actually do have some early coherent Germanic texts, which is preserved from the 4th century. It's a Gothic translation of the New Testament by Ulfilas. I'll take a much closer look at Ulfilas and the Goths later. Um, but, but again, so we have Goths coming from originally possibly Gotland in southern Sweden. And some of the earliest uh, writings we have of West Germanic are in Old Frankish from around the 5th century. And then we also have Old High German just kind of scattered words and sentences from the 6th century, and then eventually coherent Old German texts from the 9th century. And then we even have Old English that goes about as far back as 650, and then coherent texts around like 10th century. And if, you, if you've ever heard Old German, or if, if you speak, um, or if you've ever heard Old English even, and if you speak German, you'll notice that Old English is much closer to Germanic languages. So this is before the, the Norman um, bringing French and then many other um, mixes of Germanic tribes, which makes it much more difficult as a, as a, you know, to paint you a picture here, but there was, you know, Danes and then, and then later Vikings and then, and then the Normans and, you know, pre-Celtic languages that, that existed in, in the British Isles. So there's a much more complex picture um, that emerged out of Old English and was, was mixed a lot more, that, which today makes English really kind of an outlier. I mean, there's, there's some ways that, it, that make it pretty obvious that it's a Germanic language, but there's also many clues um, of many, many other influences throughout the centuries. The podcast History of English is a great resource for that, so I'm not going to rehash a lot of that stuff here. Now, North Germanic is only attested in scattered runic inscriptions as basically Proto-Norse until it evolves into Old Norse around 880. So we're talking a little bit later here. And then longer runic inscriptions survive from the 8th, 9th centuries. Uh, you can look up something like the Egyum stone or the Rook stone. Longer texts in Latin alphabet survive from the 12th century, and some skaldic poetry dates back to as early as the 9th century. So now we already have a kind of developing Nordic languages coming out um, as, as separate from, say, Western Germanic or, or Eastern Germanic. So by about the 10th century, the varieties had diverged enough to make intercomprehensibility difficult. Now that's key because um, one of the definitions of what makes a different language a different language and not just the dialect is this intercomprehensibility. So um, like Czech and Slovak are two different languages, but they can still under understand each other. So if, if you wanted to make the case, you could try to argue that those are just dialects. So Czech and Slovak might be actually similar to some dialects of Swiss German or even uh, Austrian or Bavarian German to say a low Saxon or Dutch dialect, which those people, if they're really speaking in their kind of 
native dialect, then they're no longer intercomprehensible. Um, even though, for many of those cases, we would still say they're, they're dialects of German and not separate languages. So uh, again, those, those borders are really murky, and often, um, often those distinctions come from political reasons rather than just purely linguistics. Uh, so is, you know, there's, there's low Saxon dialects or, or Frisian dialects in both uh, Netherlands and in Germany, but um, someone decided to draw a line and saying, you know, okay, High German is one language and Dutch is another language. Um, but there are many dialects that bridge that gap. So it's, it's you know, pretty interesting to, to see, you know, where the boundary is between a, a Dutch dialect and a German dialect. So about, uh, anyways, about this time of the 10th century where we start to, to really see these languages come into their own, we have linguistic contact of like say the Viking settlers of the Danelaw in, in modern day England with the Anglo-Saxons, right? So, so English, again, um, you have North German languages mixing with West German languages. So that's, you know, kind of, how, that was kind of the death of Old English grammar in a, in a way and kind of the beginning of Middle English in, in the 12th century. Now the East Germanic languages were marginalized from the end of the migration period. So the East Germanic languages just exploded. We're talking about Burgundians, Goths, Vandals, um, and Goths is kind of a, a catch-all term, but um, it's, we'll, we'll define that later. But they, they shot across Europe into Spain, Italy, Northern, Northern Africa, um, just, you know, basically occupying the Roman Empire, and then they kind of just got absorbed. So for the, most, for the most part, Gothic languages died out by about the 7th century, with one exception, and that is that the Crimean Gothic language kind of lingered on until about the 18th century. So Gothic, spoken until the 1700s, that's definitely going to be its own show, because I think that's really interesting that we kind of have this we have this time capsule of the Gothic language, uh, you know, not dying out for another thousand years after everybody else did. So during the early Middle Ages, the German languages evolved even further, and we're going to have to discuss that in a later show because, again, then we have um, Franks and, and some of the tribes that we're more familiar with from medieval history rather than, than late antiquity. So that'll be handled much later. So to summarize, because we flew through a really long period really quickly, if we look at DNA samples today, you see Germany is kind of a mix of peoples. And one way to get a handle on the beginnings is to look at the oldest people living in central Germany. So we'll look at, especially next time, we'll concentrate on Neanderthals and, and hominids like uh, Homo heidelbergensis. But if we don't, we don't have to go that far to find people living in, in Central Europe. Namely, we mentioned the, the Hallstatt territory by the 6th century BC. And then if we go back, which we will talk about in the coming episodes, we have the Uhrenfeld culture from around 1300 BC, starting around there. Uh, so basically, late Bronze Age culture of Central Europe. And Uhrenfeld, by the way, is kind of like a, a, a yearn as in like, to you know something you keep cremated remains in so they would those people got their name or you know we call them that today because they would cremate their dead and place their ashes in urns which were then buried in fields so urn urn field culture the urn field culture followed the tumulus culture so and then and then again later we have the 
uh, Hallstatt culture. We'll talk about all of those next time. Then we have the first proto-Germanic migration coming from the Nordic countries, basically, into what is today the West Pomeranian Voivodeship in Poland. And then the most widely spoken Germanic languages today are English and German. Those are, again, part of the West Germanic family. Others, Dutch, Low Saxon, um, Afrikaans. And then we have North Germanic languages like Norwegian, Danish, Swedish, Icelandic. But then we also, if we go back, we're talking about like Proto-Norse and that kind of thing. Um, Vikings, so that all, that's all included in North Germanic. So we have about 20 million speakers there. And then uh, I'm going to set aside the Western Germanic branch for a while until we cover, um, we go much further back in time than what we did in this episode. We talk about hominids like Homo heidelbergensis and Neanderthals. And then we'll look at the Goths in the next coming few uh, within the next 10 episodes or so, and then we'll come back around and circle around to the Western dramatic branches and, and you know, take stock and see and what's happening in that kind of time period. But first, I'll take a break from language and discuss some even earlier inhabitants of Central Europe. So next time, Neanderthals on the History of Germany podcast. Don't forget, there is a there is also a German version of this show. So if you go to History of germanypodcast.com you'll find this in both in English and German on iTunes there's uh, Geschichte der Deutschen there's a German iTunes feed for this show also I again I'm crowdsourcing these I, I, I hope to I hope to get some great ideas from the listeners so if you have great topics that you want to speak about then by all means let me know right now the only thing I have set up is Twitter so at Germany podcast just drop me a line um, I'm getting email set up and everything let me know what you'd like to hear about. All right. So until next time, thanks for listening. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.